Welcome to another episode of Podcast of the Rings. This week, we're kicking off our 700-episode series on Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. Uh, This is part one of 50 about the first movie, and then uh, we'll we'll, we'll continue going from from there. We also have... I'm always uh, joined by Alex, and that's not exciting, but we have a special guest, Alex. Yeah, I'm excited. So okay, that's what I'm saying. You're not exciting, but our no, guest is exciting. No. 100%. Uh, welcome, Ben Goddard. I'm gonna pipe in some applause here. Oh, nice. Well, I'm yeah. very excited to have Alex here and you here as well, <laughs> Jess. So I'm very, uh, very excited to talk about these beautiful but flawed movies. But I, I can't wait. I'm so glad we're doing like two parts for each movie, so we can just like talk about it all because it's going to be a lot of fun there's so much to talk about and you didn't even know that this was the first time i had seen these i didn't which is fine like so what one thing i love about us having started this podcast is the true tolkien fans coming out of the woodwork like yourself you're like oh i'm a crazy freak for tolkien (laughs) it's almost like you guys didn't have the permission to come out recently about it until like rings of power or something was was out there because you guys haven't had we haven't had new franchise stuff in a while it's it's been a minute like you know i I feel like it's not quite as bad as you know like star wars fans were waiting since return of the jedi or waiting since the prequels for force awakens or something but it was a long time in between and that's like where my first like note is about the movie and we'll get into it just like these hobbit movies i was like i'm so ready to get back into middle earth i'm so ready for it give me it you know, I, I didn't think even from the beginning, I was like, how are they going to do a 150 page book as a trilogy? But I didn't care because I was like that more the merrier. Give it give it all to me. And then then, you know, I regretted that statement. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to there in you know, uh, six weeks or so. Yeah, but it's, it's a monkey's paw situation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be careful. You what watch you watch this. Are you sure? But yeah, uh, so like like Rings of Power is that, too. You can choose to hate that they it's like fan fiction or it's not canonical. A hundred percent. Or you could just be really excited that it's beautiful and you're getting to know something and love something deeper. Uh, Speaking of rings of power. Oh, my gosh. The news. Here's what my theory is. No one could tell you the name of the actor who played Adar Adar and Joseph now everyone Malay. and now everyone knows his name. <laughs> yeah. And for for like... those for those who don't know, the news is that Joseph Maulay Maulay, I don't know how to pronounce Malay. his last name. Ma- but he posted on Twitter that he is leaving uh the series. We don't know exactly how that departure happened. I, I don't think was he fired? Did he leave of his own volition? Was it creative differences? Who knows? It's all Whose speculation butt did he touch? Point. That's total hearsay. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's, it's total hearsay. Let's hope it's not uh, no, but I do think th- I do think there was some sort of thing that we'll never know that they disagreed on, or there was some sort of creative direction that Joseph didn't want to go in, or or what have you, right? Or like co-star that was cast that he was like I don't want to work with that person and it's not all on him all I mean is like some sort of negotiation broke down in order for someone to walk away from that role 
Um, but they're handling it with a lot of class because they didn't like mention it. Like he didn't like blow it up with the Molotov cocktail. He waited until the same time, probably contractually to yeah. mention that he was leaving at the same time. Eight new characters, including his replacement was being announced. It's so crazy because especially like just like even listening to your guys podcast saying, you know, and I wholeheartedly disagree that he gave like, um, you know, like character to orcs. Like you can't just look at them as like just evil creatures. You can. They're just evil creatures. Maybe not as just like cannon fodder, like, you know, they're sentient beings for sure. And, you know, kind of like bringing up Star Wars again, it's like how droids are where it's like you, you guys treat droids as like these servants, but like they've been shown to have feelings and or, like Or even stormtroopers, like what yeah. they did with Finn, where they're giving a face to the, the stormtroopers. Yeah. So. And then like, and he was easily the standout for the show where it's just like that was kind of like the first like, OK, who is this guy? Is he Sauron? You know, as anyone, Sauron, Mephisto, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, but the yeah. roach is Mephisto. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just like what kind of contractual obligations? Like, did he want more money? Like, did you know, was it a story beat that he just didn't agree with? Because like that's such a big blow because that was yeah. everyone looking forward to. Sauron meeting back up with Adar like you know like how like do I know you like do you not remember me like something like that was such a good scene and then you know seeing Sauron enter back into to Mordor was just like okay this is going to be such a cool meetup and now we're never going to get to see it which is so unfortunate especially because we I, I thought I saw a lot of people congratulate him as like a quiet villain he really had like gave some of the deliveries I've never seen anyone do before. And I think you listened to the episode where Anthony Crumb was on and he was talking about like Joseph runs for like six miles and then does his role. And you could like kind of tell that he's that yeah. kind of method dude, you know? Um, not that this new actor won't be great and not that replacements haven't worked in the past. It's just a different vibe. And, well, and, and that makes I'm me think that makes me think that it, it probably was something to do with creative differences if he's that invested in his craft and he cares about the art of what he's doing. And yeah. that kind of, uh, someone with that kind of temperament, I can see looking at what they did, what they were going to do with his character in the next season and going, uh, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. I really wonder if he just got offered a lot of money to do another show <laughs> or like a it's movie. possible like I you know yeah. I've been watching a uh, West Wing and you know so many people like you know everybody and their mother was a guest star in West Wing it's like West Wing and Law and Order like anybody who's anybody was like a guest star in that and one of them I was like oh I really liked her like why didn't she show up and then I looked it up on IMDb and she got cast in CSI Miami and then, you know, that ran for, you know, a billion seasons. And then another – it was so funny. Another person who played one of the bodyguards, one of the Secret Service agents, she got replaced. And I was like, why? Oh, she's also the CSI person. Like, like two people that were, like, major, like, female characters on, on West Wing that everyone loved went to go get play, yeah. played in CSI. They, they just like, scooped oh, all so the talent. Yeah, exactly. What a weird jump, too. You're talking about, like, beyond intellectual Alan Sorkin, like – literature <laughs> and then like yeah. he was dead his bones were rotted because of sewer uh, sewage uh, i mean say what you want but there's a summer in college where on fx if i saw the cold open of a csi i was gonna sit for that hour with commercials <laughs> and watch that whole thing man csi the like original las vegas yeah goaded goaded like primetime thursday original? night show 
Yeah. Yeah. Las Vegas was original, then Miami, then New York. Wow. I, I'm not saying, listen, I love the trash that is Grey's Anatomy. It has become nothing but procedural soap opera. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm certainly not above that. I just really think it's in, I mean, you have to get a, a larger contract if that's the case. I, uh, I actually am – now that we talked about him being such a dedicated actor, it does make me afraid that he actually was unhappy with creative differences. Um, it's possible. Because there's rumors that the showrunners are getting diminished, and it's possible. It's poss- it's, it still seems like inclusion's at the forefront of their agenda, which I think is a positive thing because a, a lot of the major cast uh, – a lot of the new cast is still diverse, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would, I would be interested to know if there were moral implications or storytelling changes that, that shifted his opinion. Anyway, it's possible. We'll it was like, know. um, uh, what's his name? Paul Schneider. I think uh, if you guys have watched parks and rec, uh, Mark mm. Brandanowitz, like, I mean, that's Is that the season one guy season one and two. And then, you know, like he doesn't continue after that. And, uh, Adam, uh, I can never remember his life. Yeah. Adam Scott is big, like kind of his replacement. Yeah. And so like I've read on IMDb. I was like, what happened to him? Because like when I bring him up, people are like, oh, yeah, him. And it, like he even said himself, he's just like, I just don't fit in with this show. Like I just like, you know, he was kind of the original Jim of the show and it just like didn't gel. And he even admitted it. And they invited him back for the finale. It's like to be a part of like the finale. He was like, no, it's okay. Like, I appreciate it. Like, he wasn't mad or salty or anything. He was just like, I appreciate it. It's just not my thing. Like, I'm yeah. so happy for you guys. Like, I wish nothing but the best for them. I'm glad I got to be, you know, you know, the, like the stepping stone, like help them out in that season two because season one is rough. Right. Um. But yeah, it's just people do like it's not always about money. People like are like artists. And if like a guy like like him where he's running six miles to get that sweat pale look just for, you know, a, a 10 second stare off into the middle distance scene. Like, yeah, that's, he's that kind of guy. And the breathy, like, oh, I don't yeah. know you. <laughs> I think, I think that's, that's going to be the canon for me. I think we'll never know. I think that's just how Hollywood is mm. or, or something will happen and it's not surprising. I guess I just don't love that this gives a little bit more credence to people that don't like this show or think that there's problems with it yeah people are gonna can't control that either people are gonna find any reason to tear it down if they want if that's their agenda so if it wasn't gonna be this news it would be some other news you know totally yeah well this news took all the air of the room i think next week before we get uh launched into part two of part one of the movie uh we could look at all the new actors and make guesses as to who we think they're going to be cast as Ooh, that'd be great yeah, we should because yeah. i'm not prepared to do that now but i saw a lot of people having fun with that on the internet um simultaneously mourning the loss of adar yeah tough loss for sure tough loss daddy. so <laughs> what did you just say daddy yeah he's daddy <laughs> daddy he is daddy i would let him be daddy and that's just it. Like, you're totally right, Ben. It's not like the orcs are all of a sudden okay. But I do think that they became even worse because they were demonized, because they were they were corrupted. Like, I think mm. just seeing that they didn't just – they were made evil. The, we, we, we put them – they don't have a home because they're evil. Like, it, you can almost make – they're an enemy of your own making, kind of. I mean, Morgoth made them any enemies, but – not a yep. lot of not a lot of consent went into being a corrupted elf if you look at it that well, way. 
Well, that's the thing is that like, you know, you look at all the the MCU stuff, like a big thing is like, oh, they're always going up against these faceless armies that like they can just dispatch without any moral qualms. And it's like Adar gave these guys a face and they gave them a motivation of like, you know, orcs are still like inherently evil creatures and how they go about these things are evil, but they have a reason for doing them. Whether you agree with that reason is up to you. But, like, he gave them a face so it's not just always, and we'll go into, maybe that'll be part two, but just, like, when they're just, like, slaying, like, scores of goblins in this movie, and it's just like, oh, okay, they're just all just dying and dying and dying and dying, so, yeah. Honest to God, I'm so glad we don't have to talk about the Goblin King until next week. I'm so upset. (laughs) There's so much, this this movie was so upset. I was, like, really ready to be like, this is actually great. (laughs) Oh. But before we get into it, we're going to continue our tradition, not do it at the back end, because I didn't forget this time we're going to pull a tarot card. And Ben, since you're our guest, what I'm going to do is just spread them out. And when I say when you say stop, I, that's going to be the card that we get. Okay. So we're going to start now. Uh, let's uh, stop. All right. We have a card, folks. And the card is the up. Oh, my God. It looks like Adar. The knight of rings alex why don't you describe that while i get oh yeah it is very adar like it's uh very defined features long black hair a figure riding on a horse uh, with a shield uh sort of turned to one side so you see the shield um definitely could be maybe maybe an adar pre-corruption by morgoth weird possible it's it's faramir Oh, okay. That's really strange. That is strange. Um, I mean, this is a very interpretive deck, and and the style is very interesting. But I would not have guessed Faramir. But but he is on a. I don't know that I was gonna say he is on a horse. He's not a a Rohirrim. Um, Good night. Uh, So upright. This is our card for today. This knight rides into your reading with a command. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, I know. Pursue your mark with kindness. No, we're going to not be kind about this movie. (laughs) Just as Faramir led with a compassionate heart, you are being advised to move through your quest by taking the high road. Ooh, Be fair, even if others are not, and make choices in line with your personal ethics. Don't compromise who you are for what you want. So what we want is fame and listens. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to just poop all over this movie. Give the people what they want, right? Don't worry, uh, listeners. I am here to heartily defend this movie. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Uh, Again, the hot takes. So we are going to, if you're just, if you're going to watch along with us, we are talking all the way up to the entrance to Rivendell. And then we're going to stop and do the remainder next week. So Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. Let's get into it. So, um, when you are – okay, here's here's where I'll start. Did you see this movie in theaters, Ben? Of course. Oh, of course. Twice. Okay. High, Twice. High frame rate? I didn't see the high frame rate. Oh, it, it, I yeah. saw it in high frame rate when it was in theaters. It's Loser. It, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> the first, like, two minutes of seeing it, it's very jarring because, I mean, yeah. for those who don't know – they filmed this at 48 frames a second in 3D with two red cameras, one for each eye. 
So when they played it back in 3D, it was designed to be viewed in 3D. And so it wasn't that sort of cheesy effect where it's like, oh, stuff is coming out at you. It was more natural 3D to just be immersive. But the 48 frames a second looks bizarre because it's so smooth. Um, but I enjoyed it. After about two or three minutes, you get used to it, and it looks amazing. I wish there were some showings that they would do where they played it. Um, Same, because that. like I've never been a person, and I'm not like, dissing anybody but you know when people would go to the arc light and be like oh i saw this in 70 millimeter i can't tell the difference i'm sorry like i'll go to you know the dollar theater like i can tell projection quality because mm -hmm. i've seen some poorly projected movies um uh, but i can't tell the difference between like you know digital or 70 millimeter or like i know what aspect ratio is but like it doesn't make a huge difference right. for me it does emotionally whether you realize it or not like when you see certain movies i want to say death proof does it but maybe not even death proof where you oh you know who did it really interestingly um wandavision would do it they would mm -hmm. go at, in uh from 16 9 into the television yeah uh, aspect ratio and that would be really good to denote whether we were in the tv world or out of it and so yeah. it was good for the emotional shift on that and i wonder if maybe the projection wasn't bad but the film that you saw the quality was poor because that's usually what leads to like a framey grainy situation is if the like the so usually I got to see Vertigo in 70 mil and I had no idea either. So I, I did. I, I saw Lawrence of Arabia and I, I knew it was 70 millimeter just because that's the only way to be projected because it's a classic movie like that. And it was beautiful. And I was like, this is amazing. But like, you know, when I go see like the laser at the AMC or the Dolby, like, yeah, like it's better sound. But, you know, I, I enjoy it. And anybody that can tell the difference, I'm very jealous of you. Uh, but. Yeah, like, you know, like the lighthouse was like a four by three uh, aspect mm. ratio in theaters. And that was really cool to see like it, And it had like the grainy effect to it. And I was like, oh, this is nice. The first time I've seen 3D actually work in the modern sense of how we understand 3D is at my friend, our friend Hector Navarro's house. He mm. is he has a 3D TV and buy, buys 3D discs. Yeah, and he is the 3D warrior. He is. <laughs> They the, will only exist because of him if they continue yeah. to be made. And it is worth it. The The experience is not, oh, look, everything's popping out at you. It is a deeper experience. You've, it's more like you're looking into the fish tank as opposed to a f flat fish yeah, tank. Just kind of it how it enhances it. your immersion into the movie. Yeah, like I saw the re-release because I couldn't remember seeing Avatar in theaters. Like, I, you know, I saw it a thousand times on TV. So, you know, I knew I'd seen it, but I was like, I don't remember like being crazy about this movie and then uh, the re-release i saw it in imax 3d and i was like this movie kind of rips yeah like is the story yeah. you know the same old thing dance the wolf pocahontas fern Gully? it is but james cameron does a great job of getting you to buy into unobtainium that's a word <laughs> they use it's so dumb and it's so dumb it's so dumb and that's the thing is that people you know saying um Giovanni oh the Urbisi is buying it too you know everyone's I mean? buying it sigourney weaver chain smoking as a scientist like you just you learn what pandora is you learn who like the navi are like you are on board within 10 minutes stephen lang just like eating all the ham in every scene. I love it. He's got the big old scar on his face and he's bench pressing when you meet him. He's 
So I mean, great. everyone had to do work to compensate for the poor acting of that lead actor, who I don't think ever did anything ever again. Sam, I will, you know, I don't want to say I'll defend Sam Worthington, <laughs> but, you know, Matt Damon famously turned down that role oh, and wow. 10% of the box office. <gasps> like, because, like, you know, all the money was going to the movie. So James Cameron was like, I'll give you 10. Like, I can't pay you, but I'll give you 10% of the box office. Matt Damon turned down like $300 million, basically. Wow. And, like, it's like the most famous, like, miss of all time but i kind of like sam worthington in that role because you're so focused on the world where like i'd be focused on matt damon that whole movie like totally matt, matt damon in avatar i like sam worthington being like, being like a no name yeah he, he like same with like everything of role he does yeah. and he you know he's he's worked steadily he was just in that uh that andrew garfield uh uh mormon show i can't think of what it's called um he's good he, he's a he's solid banner of heaven that. That, that under that the banner one. of heaven good pull yeah. good pull because uh, I, I only know that because that's uh, andrew garfield isn't going to do work for a long time after this and i don't know why but good for him he's <laughs> pulling away yeah uh, um i think you're right uh, i was actually just talking to our mutual friend scott rubin about arondir from rings of power he is fit he sells the action he's good looking he looks like an elf and he's just bad enough of an actor where it works like he's not an amazing actor but he sure knows how to take his time with his fur he has like a perfectly per placed furrow in his brow and he just needs to look serious and then look lovingly he, he's not going to give you nuance but he gives you absolutely everything you need to make it a, well, a perfect performance in my and, opinion and he doesn't mm -hmm. oversell stuff you know what i mean like he yeah. can't yeah, because he's not good enough. But, but exactly. Alex. But I, I think what we've talked about with like Morvith Clark and Charlie Vickers is they're they push it. They're yeah. good enough to where sometimes they they go for the thing and it's too much. Yeah. And you're totally. like, eh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, <laughs> that choice. Fair. Well, there's so much in this movie that we haven't even talked about it and we're 20 minutes into I, I'm not going to time keep. I'm just saying. This is already exciting. Um, this is why so, we're doing it in two parts for yes. each movie. <laughs> That's correct. That's exactly right. So here's my question, and maybe it'll get answered because, again, bear in mind, I've never seen this film ever, either of them. Who drew that picture of him? Who drew the picture the of portrait? Bilbo? The portrait? Yeah. That is isn't Someone in the Shire? I, here's my guess. <laughs> is that a thing? Someone in Rivendell. I would imagine why? that when when they were on their return journey... And they were in Rivendell, like one of the elf artists gave him that as a gift or something. I don't know. There's a picture of his, uh, you know, his great, great grandfather, Bullroar, took in mm -hmm. his in his living room. So I'm sure there's Is there? they have nothing but time in the Shire. You don't think there's a thousand like artists in that place. That's all the Shire is, is farmers and artists. That's it. <laughs> Are there artists there, though, canonically? I I'm not saying like I'm not trying to nitpick. I'm just saying, are they too tired to do artistry? Why would they be tired? I don't know. I don't know. I'd be tired eating, with a lot maybe. of food and <laughs> yeah. But also, I also thought it was distinctly funny. I, I, I was. I don't know why I was surprised that like Elijah Wood would be there, but I was beyond. Yeah, you were it. definitely shocked when he appeared on screen. <laughs> he was. does just like walk in like and almost give like a wink. It's borderline wink to the camera where he's just like. And I'm glad yeah. they gave him lines. Like I, I was, I say in my notes, I'm kind of torn of like how close this opening scene takes place to the beginning of Fellowship, totally. where like he's literally waiting for yeah. Ga Gandalf hours in the before. woods, hours before. like little hours before. 
but like i'm glad it wasn't like a and here's frodo like he actually has a reason like he's checking the mail he's going to wait for again like if it was just like a hey all right anyways yeah <laughs> like there's someone you know but i do have a question about that so he's like i'm going to go surprise him no one's sure that gandalf is coming because he was supposed to be there a week sooner than that right i mean isn't that the line of a, 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 a wizard is never late or early he arrives exactly when he means to doesn't he, isn't he proclaimed as being late yeah well, but we don't know how long frodo is waiting in the woods minutes well, he says he's going to the woods to surprise Gandalf. He's like, and he's then he's there for a week? It's, no, it's the day of his birthday, Maybe he's there for Alex. like four hours. Maybe this is like nine in the morning and then Gandalf he's shows so up short. at like 2 p.m. And he's like, dude, you're late. He leaves the, and he's so sure that Gandalf's going to be there. And it, it, it and my illusion was destroyed. My my immersion was destroyed. <laughs> this is the, the hill you're going to die on with yeah, this movie. Right? <laughs> I just think you're underestimating how little people have to do in the Shire. <laughs> like this is a literal like it's called the shire like it's a, a a synonym for like a haven like they they do nothing there jess they they calmly till the earth they smoke weed all day there's like one barmaid that like never gets harassed by anybody and like hard mary to believe. Yeah. hard to believe and so it's just like it's She's the also perfect the place Tobit ever too yeah that's why no mess with her because she'll just beat the crap out of him oh, yeah. <laughs> so true well so you know, I was kind of going into this whole thing. Oh, the other thing I think is funny is how, let me start, a hobbit hole isn't messy nor, and, and, it's, and he's writing this to Frodo. Frodo knows what a hobbit hole is. Well, no, he's writing his book. It's not necessarily to he's Frodo. Not, yeah, he's not writing it for Frodo. He says that he's writing the whole impetus of the movie is that, Frodo, you do not know everything. Let me tell you now. And then he says, but here's where his story starts. And then he goes, I, th I think that's an, that's an allusion to, uh, we're not going to talk about it this episode, but the riddle game. Because as we talked about on our previous Hobbit oh, episode, sure. the account he had told everybody was not true about that. So I think that's an allusion to that part of the story. But he's writing this as his like memoir kind of as his as his and book. that's that's the token like that's a line from the book like when i talk about a hole i don't mean like a worm filled oh, dirt like, that i know but yeah. he is writing it to hope to hobo <laughs> 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 then he doesn't need to explain whether a hobbit hole has worm in it or not that's all that's again i'm just this is what i offer to the table mm -hmm. and this is so, like, do, when you watch Lord of the Rings, do you think the same thing when Bilbo's explaining what hobbits are? Like, we're like, you know what? I might, I might, when we go to talk about that, I might judge it. <laughs> oh Making God. note of that for when we get to that in our episodes. I might judge it. It might happen. <laughs> so, we, I, yeah, I think to be fair, I am looking for the like places I could pop the bubble. I'll be like, no, you got, it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that. I like, I tried not to do that, but uh, I couldn't help but do it. But I gotta say the first 45 minutes of this movie is very charming. Yes. I actually really, I couldn't understand why people had ish take, you know, take umbrage with it because it's so charming for the first 45 minutes. Yeah. That's my first note is that Ian Holmes starting the movie is so comforting. I'm home again because mm -hmm. like when, you know, Sam close, I never not tear. Have you seen Lord of the Rings, Jess? 
I've seen the movies. Yes. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know because no, no, you haven't fair. seen Hobbit. Fair question. But like when Sam says I'm home and closes the door on us, like I never not at least tear up in some way. Like it's just such an emotional thing. And so just being back in Middle Earth and having Ian home, who's like just this classically trained actor, like just narrate this opening for us about the Shire and then going into Dale and the Desolation of Smaug. Like, it's just like, yes, we are back. I've waited to be back in Middle Earth for so long, and we are here. And totally. That's kind of my first thing about this movie is I agree with all that stuff. And the prologue, I have mixed feelings about because as we're going to see throughout talking about this film in particular, um, I think I agree with just the first 45 minutes is charming, but there are a lot of things they do that mimic kind of the formula of the fellowship of the ring film that feel a bit weird to me because it's the Hobbit story is very, a very different tone. It's a very different kind of story than the Lord of the Rings, but Peter Jackson is trying really hard to fit this story into that, that mold that he made. Um, so the prologue being the first thing where we, we start in the Shire uh, but then we're immediately launched into this epic kind of, you know, battle sequence with Smaug, you know, uh, breathing fire at the gates of of Erebor. And it's a the shifts in tone ah. in this in this film, I think, are sometimes can be a bit jarring because. Of, so you're saying that that's akin to I didn't even think about this. That's um, like the Battle of the Last Alliance. Yes, it's mm-hmm. the it's 100 percent the same thing. Like. But it, it does work, though. Yeah. Like, with other things where they make the dwarves, uh, like, stupidly fight, this works. I need to, I kind of need to know what Smaug did and how, right? Yeah. I mean, it it changes the nature of the story compared to the book. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's just, this is, like, the In first. Because, you know, Bilbo doesn't know what he's getting into, and the reader doesn't know what he's getting into. But as a, as a film goer, as someone watching this movie, when you have that information, it changes how you view, like, the dwarf showing up. Because you're like, oh, I just saw this dude have this epic fight with, you know, a dragon. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it changes that a little bit for me. And I think the reason they do it is just because, well, it's the same formula as Fellowship of the Ring. So let's just... That worked. Let's do that. Do it here. And I don't know if it necessarily works 100% for me. I understand what you're saying for sure. And I think a lot of the blame of these trilogy belongs with the studio making it a trilogy. Yes. Making it rushed was why Guillermo del Toro was literally almost done with his pre-production mm-hmm. and then bailed. And-, and that's why there's, you know, so much stuff like left on the counter of like, you know, Ron Perlman was supposed to be either Azog or Bolg, I'm pretty sure. He was supposed to be one of them. And then, you know, when Guillermo left, he left because that's his boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just like they're like, we need another Lord of the Rings. Literally make a prequel to Lord of the Rings more than make The Hobbit, right. which is mm-hmm. what these movies are. Um, so I understand that. But I also think that having all the Dale, Desolation of Smile prequel stuff serves better here than... Gandalf explaining it to Bilbo later down the road when the dwarves show up or, you know, like the dinner scene is long enough already. Yes. I I don't think we need any more exposition. Plus, Balin giving the exposition about Thor and Oakenshield and Azog, like we need that backstory. Like there's a lot of exhibition that goes in this movie. So having the Lonely Mountain prequel, basically, and the Arrow War prequel 
get done at the beginning, I think is the right story choice. But I understand what you mean, because so much of the book is like, what's happening? Like, yeah. these dwarves are showing up. What is going well, on? This guy lives such a quiet life. And I think you're 100 percent right in that the reason that's happening is because they have to. Well, they, they were pressured probably to tie it in directly to the Lord of the Rings series. Yes. If you had a trilogy or no, not a trilogy, but if you maybe had two movies um, that you didn't make any effort at all to connect it to Peter Jackson's trilogy, I think then that works where you have mm -hmm. this sort of Bilbo doesn't know what's going on. The viewer doesn't know what's going on. And you just reveal that stuff as the story goes similar to how it's done in the book. But because of that need to go, oh, we're going to have Elijah Wood show up because remember him. And we're going to have Ian Holm yeah. show up because remember him. If you don't do that stuff, you, then I think it works. But um, yeah. So and there, there are a lot of instant. movie in a vacuum. Sorry, what's that? You know what I mean? You, I'm sorry. You can't make this movie in a vacuum, though. So you kind of have to do those things. Yeah. I'm, well, they were kind of going to with Guillermo. That was were they? Yeah. He. I don't think he was gonna bring back all. You want to do two movies? Yeah. I know that much for sure. That's that makes sense because one of the things we're not gonna get to talk about today, but will next week is us actually seeing what's going on with the White Council, and it's like, mm -hmm. no, I don't want this. This isn't what the movie is. But I can see why they fill in the blanks. Like, I did not know that that's how Thor and Oakenshield got his name. Mm -hmm. I, I had a little bit more empathy for the guy. Just a little bit. He sucks. But, <laughs> like, it was a cool background story. And they could have truncated things just this. Like, I do want to have, like, the long sweeping. I want to live there for a long time. You can make a lot happen, especially because Tolkien writes the, the the chapters so shortly he just kind of goes this happened this happened then there was trolls and then they all got captured you know he's not yeah. really luxuriating in the book so you can i mean brokeback mountain was a 45 page short story and they made that a whole gosh darn oh, yeah. movie like all the best stephen king adaptations are from his novellas not from his books like you stand by it. me and the and uh what am i thinking of what's stand uh, by me a novella? Oh, that's cool. I think so. Pretty sure. Sure, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure cool. I'm wrong about it. Uh, uh, Shawshank, I know, was a shorter story as well. Oh, Yet yeah, so. now a Green three Mile? and a half hour movie. Green Mile, <laughs> yeah. I think was. I think The Mist was as well. So like some of the best ones, in my my humble opinion. Um, but also just like one tiny detail that I love about this prequel. I mean the. Uh, the prologue is that when the dwarf that finds the Arkenstone, he has a little headlamp with yes. candles on it. And I was just, I wrote that note down. I was like, that is such a small detail that no one would have said anything if just like, cause you know, when they go, uh, when riddles in the dark, you know, there's light everywhere, even though they're at the bottom of a mountain. Yeah. Like, and so like no one would have met 100,000%. Yeah. Yeah. No one would have questioned like, Oh, there's light here. There's mining. But I just love like the little candle headlamp that he's got. It's so and, great. And that's the thing that Peter Jackson, and, and Weta together do so well in these movies, despite the problems we have with them, is making you feel like this is a living, breathing Middle Earth and the attention mm -hmm. to detail and like the miniatures and it just looks gorgeous, the design of everything. I mean, even like the forging scenes where the guy, the dwarf like holds the thing up and the two hammers come and hit so it. Funny. It's it, It's awesome. It's amazing. That's what I'm saying. It's those things and the quick pace of it, strangely, is makes it super charming. And I'm like, this is great. And then, and now also too, with all the dwarves coming in, by the way, Gandalf is creepy. Gandalf looking at the, like etching the the sign in the door and then like looking and like in the window that's weird i think anyway it's just weird that, that's but peter jackson's horror side coming exactly. out exactly mm -hmm. 
And that's stuff I don't think we need, but it's fine. I mean, it's totally fine, but it's just odd. Oh, Alex, um, you point you saw this in the um, the X-ray. Yeah. So Martin Freeman was always um, the first choice, and he's the perfect choice. Like honestly, the movie is only salvageable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because it's yeah. him. But they're like, I think even um, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Daniel was on. Radcliffe, uh, Josh Whittacombe, who's like a British comedian, um, which Jess and I know because of like Taskmaster and some some shows we watch. Um, and I can't. Yeah, there are a couple other ones that were just like, oh, that would have been a weird choice. A different movie. Yeah. yeah, I think they had to delay filming because of Fargo season one. Yeah. And like, because Peter was like, Martin is the is Bilbo. Like, I think it was uh, Sherlock. But yes, one. Of the oh, two. yeah. Sherlock. Yeah. That's right. It was Sherlock. That's right. And there isn't a, a thing that Martin Freeman. Aren't there a million pictures of him just slipping off the camera too yeah, during as the Bilbo. filming of this? <laughs> I, I'd be curious to like have him on and go. Did you know what you were making at the time? <laughs> you were making. Did you know it? these would live on forever as gifts on the internet? Uh, well, no. I, like, if you knew, did you know these were going to be bad or? <laughs> oh, the movies. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to, to see what he thinks. I, so, I mean, I can't blame anyone for not jumping head. I mean, it's like the, the the very famous Liam Neeson not reading Phantom Menace before he signed up for Star Wars because it's Star Wars. Like, I, I would have that. jumped head first to be, uh, you know, Ori or, you know, Gloin or, you know, the bomber, like the dwarf, like sure. that they get perfectly introduced where it's like, here's the dwarfs that matter. Here's all of them that don't. Like, <laughs> and so like <laughs> I so would have, I would have signed up in a second to be in the makeup chair for six hours a yeah. day to, you know, run in the background. Well, and one thing I do like about, so um, this movie is, so I, I, we talked about this when we were talking about the book. One of the problems I have with the book is that the dwarves are so indistinguishable, except for maybe like Feely Keely, Balin and Thorin. Um, mm-hmm. But they, even the dwarves that don't matter in, in this movie, they at least give a little bit of a personality and a little bit of a character. So you at, remember which ones are which, which obviously they had to mm-hmm. do because it's on screen. It's not a book where you can just kind of ignore them. But I really liked what they did with all the dwarves and making them unique. My favorite is um, uh, Boffer, the, uh, I can't remember, uh, Nesbit something, Nesbit. Uh, James yeah, Nesbitt. James Nesbitt plays him. Uh, he's he, my favorite. I I I wrote a note, and we'll get to it next week uh, about like the conversation he has with Bilbo that just breaks my heart about her because uh, like yeah. there are like, and then Balin is so good. Yeah. Uh, like you know, in the in the flashback scene, like his like his teary eyes when he's like, oh, like we survived, but we didn't sing songs. It's just like. There are like and maybe it's like my Middle Earth thing that I will find anything that I love about these movies. But there are some really solid performances out of like just really small moments that are given to all the dwarves. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite is uh, in, in this first half that we're talking about is the when they're in Bag End, Balin and Thorin's little conversation where, you know, they're talking about, well, we're not all good warriors. And Thorin's like, well, but you all said yes and you're all here and that's what matters. Like. That little yeah. bit of dimension to the company, uh, I love. I love because it 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 really, you know, underlines the weight and significance of their quest to them that we don't really get a sense of uh, individually in in the uh, in the book. And I I, I like those yeah. moments where they they flesh that out a little bit, and they're bringing in enough stuff from uh, appendices and and Lord of the Rings um to to flesh it out now should they have brought in as much as they did maybe not but uh (laughs) yeah so 
Can we talk about the Misty Mountain song that I want played at my funeral? <laughs> yes, I was about to jump into, yeah. S- speaking of all of the dwarfs and their relationships, we get not one, but two amazing songs in the uh, dinner party. Um, first, we get the That's What Bilbo Baggins Hates song. Mm-hmm. Blunt the Knives. Yep. Uh, bang the Forks. Um, and I, I love how they incorporated like a sort of choreography of them like hitting the the uh the bowls and the plates and stuff um it's so good and it's interesting like because i always had in my head as a uh from when i was a kid when we watched the you know the hobbit cartoon those versions of the songs in my head so it was cool hearing Mm -hmm. a a sort of different take on them um it's got to be hard to not want to just rehash those songs and make them exactly what the Rankin and Bass one were were like the, the Goblin Town town was hard for me um but yeah I so I don't know if you you've heard me say this Ben but the music the, them them busting out singing is cringe to me it's so uncomfortable oh I love it so much because it's such a huge do. part of the books like I just reread Fellowship and I'm rereading Two Towers. Like they break into two page long stanza songs in the yeah. books. And it, it does it in The Hobbit as well. And I like the song, uh, Blunt the Knives, and that's what Bilbo Baggins hates. But like the the CGI things are like, like elbowing plates. I'm like, okay, like I get it, but like <laughs> doesn't look the, the greatest. Sure. Um, but I love Misty Mountains. Like when they're around the fire and they've decided to do this thing. And like Bilbo and just seeing it from Bilbo's perspective, like you have like 13 Mm. strangers in your house and then they're explaining this quest and then they just start like humming and like this ancestral song that just comes from their like the bottom of their gut and through their heart. And it's just like, okay, this is what we're about because it's been kind of silly up until this point. You know, we had the, the, the prologue, but we got the silly song. We've had the, oh, uh, croquet is a good sport if you got the balls for it. Like, you know, we've had all them eating and burping and farting and, yeah, all this stuff. And then they hit you with the Misty Mountain song. You're like, no, this is what this journey is about, is finding and reclaiming their home and, like, finding their place in the world. That they have literally, like, this whole race of people has lost their place in the world. And this is what it's about. And I love it so much. Totally. I think it's easy to least for me to lose the enormity of what Smaug did. And I think that's why I like the prologue. Um, and so you can see the scores of them being driven away. Um, mm. And it, it does get brought back. And I didn't realize that this was the theme, but you know, missing home, not having a home is an interesting thing. And, and to be fair, I know that like, A, you don't have TV or radio, so you're writing songs and people are doing that and that's how you're doing entertainment. So like I, under, I understand it's not like just some mechanism that Tolkien's like, I should do a poem now. Um, it's just if someone were to be like, now sing or like, like it's taken upon me, I'm, I'm, the spirit has moved me to sing. It just sounds horrible. It's the same reason why I wouldn't want to play a bard in a D&D campaign. But did did you think the same thing like in Pippin's song in Return of the King, like when they're charging? He was asked to sing. Yeah, everybody's asked to sing. Like Aragorn sings. No, but no one asked Aragorn to sing. 
No one good. said, "Hey, sing a little dirge about Boromir, our bud," and and they, they just like all of a sudden go, "Yeah, da 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 da," and and again, it's, it is good. It comes from their it, souls, and, and their he's gut. just improvising it's, on the spot too with with Boromir. It's just insane it's to me. It's insane. Not, not only Ar- this is me. just further proof that Aragorn is the perfect man. Not only is he a king and a leader. Uh, a fighter, a lover, you know, with Arwen, but mm. he's an artist too. He can just make up <laughs> he's an beautiful poetry and song on the spot. Should I be scared, Alex? Is someone like Aragorn? Everyone should be scared Honestly. about them losing their partner to yes. Aragorn. Like, no one is safe. <laughs> Literally, no one is safe. <laughs> Aragorn, Aragorn, Aragorn. You got it? Exactly. You guys got it? Okay, got mm. it. Okay, cool. Um, also, when they come in before the song happens, do you guys know what a glory box is? He's like, "That's my mom's glory box." It's, it I sounds didn't. dirty, but I don't. It, it does sound <laughs> dirty. It's actually sad. <laughs> it's basically a box where a woman puts all. It's it's either a glory box or a hope chest, and it's where a woman. I, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but a hope chest for sure is where a woman puts all her linens and all her things that she might use once she's married. Oh, so like she'll hold on to things in the chest or the box for her adult life as a married so, woman. So, so are they still? Do we think they're still in the box when? Uh... No, but it's just like you do have. It is her chest that's gotcha. still there. So it it has like the history of that's where she put all her stuff and it probably holds other things yeah. now. Mm. So now you know. I like, I like okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Learn something not? new every day. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so there's things that stray from the text, which is fine, but we just read it, so uh, it's fresh on my mind. But do you guys like that? It's like, oh, Bill. But you know what? Here's what I will say. I like that Bill wakes up and goes, oh, I think I kind of wanted to do that. Yeah. I kind of I've never related to, to Bilbo more than the kid who sleeps too long when his friends are over or like at camp or something. I was the kid that slept in and like really? everyone was up and, you know, like already playing and I already missed, you know, oh, you already missed freeze tag and we did this and you missed breakfast. Uh, and I'm just like, what? No one woke me up. Like then then. Yeah. So I like watching it today. I was like, oh, man, that that's me. Mr. Oversleeper. Yeah. It, it's definitely relatable and also that feeling of like, oh, you know, I had that opportunity, but I didn't say yes. And then Bilbo sort of in that moment, the sort of wish fulfillment of, nope, he runs off and does it instead of, uh, mm. you know, he gives into his Turkish side. I do like that change from the book um, as opposed to just him finding the letter and being like, oh, meet us here, you know, Um him not agreeing and then in that moment of split decision saying, no, I'm going to go join them. I, I do like that. And it makes for a more cinematic uh, um, uh, moment. It's not canon and thus I reject it and won't watch it. <laughs> what is, this is like fan fiction to me it's and I don't fan, like it. It's fan fiction. So the guy who plays Theonin, um has gone on record as this isn't uh, this isn't the real thing. I'll n- I won't watch it. Enjoy it if you want. <laughs> but talks about talking about Rings of Power. Oh, really? I know. Mm. Yeah. Good night. <sighs> Go to sleep, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Time, anyway, time for bed, I, Grandpa. I just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Um. So, he does. He runs off. Mm. They cleaned everything. It doesn't smell like dwarf anymore. 
and he runs and he's so cute he's so i, so, I love so the cute. i'm going on an adventure you know with the contract yeah. immediately gift into history yeah. of like anybody that you know goes for a hike at runyon canyon <laughs> likes to put on their twitter account uh but no just martin freeman is just he's so good in this movie like i know we'll talk about him constantly because he is like the saving grace of this trilogy sure. but he's just so good and you are the way he plays his fomo of like like you know he passes out the night before he's like no i don't care who my ancestors were i do love i i wrote this down it's like gandalf like kind of gaslighting him like when you were a kid you used to love to yeah yes gandalf i was a child <laughs> yeah. i was a literal child so yes i used to run around i'm an adult now and i like to smoke pipe weed and relax and you know eat with my pantry yeah. of food. like i've never been more jealous of a pantry than bilbo's good lord the fact that he I had, had to just get up and make food <laughs> yeah he just had enough to feed 14 strangers just like off just off the rip or is he jesus and did he multiply the loaves and the fish yeah he is just this, had bread and water is this an allegory for jesus Tolkien was a good uh catholic man so it's entirely possible he was i'm just saying cold chicken fish same kind of thing <laughs> maybe but he yeah it is it is something about like ever since reading it i've always wanted seed bread what is it like yeah seed seed cake Oh yeah, yeah, like seed just, cake. Oh. Yeah, he's got so many cakes in the book. Like they keep talking about how many cakes he has, and it's just like they just they empty him out. And I love that, but it's like he still had all that. Mm. Like he's a little little hoarder. And, yeah, and just the moment when he hands, uh, I think it's uh, Glowin, uh, the cakes, and then he just takes one and puts it behind his back. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, that was it's so cute. You know exactly what he's feeling in that and, moment. And, and the sh the like... shot where it it sort of pans and reveals Bilbo just like staring at him eating his fish, and his just the, <laughs> yeah. his, the face he's pulling is yeah, a hundred percent. We're like we've all been there. We know what that is. So that's what I mean. It's like now you're you're showing me a movie that I'm just absolutely enjoying. I'm in. I bought in. They hit the road, and then they integrate introduce Radagast and I want to die. I thought I would be excited to meet Radagast, honest to God. And then you show me a man with bird poop on his head and he's he is there's animal cruelty happening left and right. Dead animals. The, the, no thank you. Take it up with the necromancer, you know what I mean? No. Yeah. No. Take it up with a retconning SOB Tolkien. Well, this, so to be fair, this is not retconning. The necromancer was it's was adding. a thing in The Hobbit. No, Radagast yeah. is, a, is a retcon, isn't he? Yes. Um, I don't be, he's not named in The Hobbit. It's just that there are, he does mention there are other wizards, though, I believe. Uh, he mentions the Council of Wizards, which later became the White Council. So yeah, the Radagast part is retconning. The Necromancer part is not. But yeah, the right. the the integration of Radagast into this story is um is interesting. <laughs> I I don't know you know, I see why they did it. It's a it's a mechanism for us to be introduced to this whole Necromancer thing that Peter Jackson was like, "Well, this is present as a as a minor thing in the Hobbit, but we're going to flesh this out." And again, drawing the connection to the uh, his original trilogy and Sauron in that. Um, mm. But the stuff that he has Radagast doing in this movie uh, is a little bit over the top. You can imagine 
You can imagine that that's how Radagast is, though. Like, if he do- if he is friends uh, with the birds and the bees, you can imagine he's, like, afraid of a little hedgehog yeah, dying. But but my heart can't handle it. I'm empathizing too much with a hedgehog I've never Sebastian. met. Sebastian. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's sickening. Thank God he lived. Yeah. I'm watching a... Justice for Sebastian. In pain. Justice. Yeah. But I can imagine that that's what Radagast is about, kind of. But I need to not see a person with bird poop on their face. I think it's lichen or moss. That design choice. I don't know if it's bird poop, Jess. Yeah. It's lichen for sure it is because obviously he's been traveling for 20 days. and I think it's bird poop because he's got a bird living on his head. Does he have a bird living on his head? He literally has a bird nest under his hat. Thank you. It's bird poop, Ben. Alex said it's like it. No, I didn't think of that. I didn't make the connection, Ben, and that you're 100% right. It's just leakage from the nest. Yeah, it's... Disgusting. Yeah, it's not not great. Um, That's where Snog poops. Yeah, I like like Christopher McGorry's... Not Christopher... What's his name? Oh, man. I was about to say Christopher McGorry. That... Uh, I can't think of it. Um, but I like his performance. But yeah, the the character design itself is just like, oh man. Uh, but we are we going past Radigas? Because we skip the the the. the I need help. Flashback to... uh to the, oh, that the battle d- that of the does mines of Moria first, with yeah. Azog. Oh, it's because I just don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, my only question to this, because like this is like, you know, just like Thorin's origin story, basically. Yeah. I have two notes. One, why did anybody think Azog died from just his hand Thank being you. cut off? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Like, why did, like, I know Balin and Gandalf give each other like a knowing look, like, oh, we'll just let him believe that, which is weird. Thorn's a grown yeah. man. Like, <laughs> you, you, it's not like a child telling Santa Claus doesn't exist or something. Be- because, but ben, also, because like, we need the reveal later on. Ob- obviously. 20 minutes later. It's not like in the second. Because, <laughs> like, I was going to say, I love that they hide Smaug yeah. until, you know, yeah. Bilbo sees him. I think that's really great and that was like the hype for the trailer like this is the best dragon that's been ever on film and i agree i still agree i think it's better than any game mm-hmm. of thrones dragon we've got as well um smog is awesome we'll get that in a few weeks but i don't get like the mystery of this like i i mean i know it's you know canonical and but it's just like it was in the book like azog was the leader of the orcs and well t- so but b- minor lore quibble azog Technically, mm-hmm. so in in the lore, he dies at that battle. He's killed by Dane Ironfoot, who we'll see later. Uh, but it's his mm-hmm. son, who I believe also, if my memory serves, Bolg is Bolg, his son. Right. So Bolg is the yeah. one in the book uh, oh. who's leading the the goblin and orc armies at the Battle of Five Armies. Azog is dead. Um, I get okay. why they put Azog in the films because again. Thorin has that direct relationship to him. And I'm like, I'm fine with, okay, cool. Azog lives. It's not that consequential. Um, but I, yeah, I. But don't make, don't make Thor, Thorin that dumb. Yes. Though. Cause yeah. He's, yeah, he's, I think that's he's the not problem. That young when it happens. Um, and is it, does it, is he not the one that does he, it? Well, he, yeah, he's the one who cuts his arm off and then they see, you know, in the film they show, they see him dragging him back in. But wh- yeah, why yeah. would you make? I, I agree. Why would you make the assumption that oh he died of his wounds? It's like, <laughs> and, and and beyond that, he like sure I'm sure Thorin is like fighting a couple other dudes after that. But like from what they describe in the movie, 
a lot of the orcs stop, drop, and roll, and they're like, holy crap, our leader just got hurt, and it was a rallying moment yeah. for everybody. And you see Azog getting dragged, kicking and screaming about his arm, by the way, into yeah. the caves. Have him be passed out. What's that? Like yeah, from loss of blood or something. Oh, yeah, sure. exactly. Like he was like, there's, there's nothing even visually shown that he died. Like, if exactly, it's such a good point. Yes, like have him be like passed out, and his soldiers like carrying him back into the cave. We like, all know he's alive well, because of and, how he's and kicking and screaming. I, yeah, like he's vigorously fight. Like he's still in the <laughs> Here's fight. Here's the other <laughs> yeah, thing. Totally. We then see, like, like, why do they give us that, and then show him? Because if I'm remembering correctly, we s we see him before like Thor. It's revealed to Thorin that he's still alive, right? Yes. Yeah. Like we after it's like after the attack where they escape to Rivendell, then we cut to them reporting to Azog. Uh, yeah, the the orcs yeah. that escaped reporting so, to like, Azog. Why not yeah, keep it a secret from us as well, and then have the reveal that happens later, which we'll talk about. Because they have so many minutes of the movie. But no, and like they have him reporting, but like we don't see who he's reporting to. You know what I mean? Like, but the, and that's like I don't the the runtime of this movie really doesn't bother me. This one, <laughs> when we get to Battle of Five Armies, we'll talk yeah. about that. But uh, this one, it's just like that's such an incon. It's only to reveal Azog. So like you can have the knowing look with Balin and Gandalf. Like that yeah. makes sense, and we'll be like, okay, maybe he's. Not like, you know, even if we fix like, OK, him being passed out, carrying, you know, away back into Moria. Then you have the knowing look. You're like, oh, maybe he's not. And you, it, you as a moviegoer is like, oh, I bet he's alive. But then having the reveal like when they, you know, out of the frying pan into the that's fire. And we'll we talk about that first. next week. Yeah, that's the reveal of Azog yeah. right there. Like, like they've been tracking him. You have like, you know, the, the minion orcs tracking him and then like, oh, report back to the leader or the boss or whatever. And then you reveal, like, hunt them down, and then you have – you're with Thorin in that big reveal of, like, no mm -hmm. way. My worst nightmare who killed my grandfather, who emotionally and mentally scarred my father into insanity, this – like, it's such a big moment, and we're already ahead of – we're already ahead of our characters, and it really deflates yeah, it. 100%. And, like, that – the biggest problems I have, I think, with these movies are that sort of – the goblin wars plot with thorin and stuff like a lot of that feel it it feels just jammed in mm. there and that like the if they had done those kinds of things to make it more emotionally uh resonant i think it would have worked a lot better um yeah it's just not like the first movie he's ever made and to like make that choice and not so, like someone not stop them and be like you guys this is dumb <laughs> is weird now what i will say is what he did with the claw in the arm. That's cool. With the stake po poking out, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's so hardcore. <laughs> I know. Like, like, and I love that it's not like, you know, some, you know, winter soldier arm or something. No, it's just like a a spike driven and, and through the, his the arm. Other, and you know he's just got to be. End. You the see other pointy the end. The other pointy end is just sticking it's gotta out. Hurt. Yeah. It's got to hurt. Yeah, it's you know he's hurt. in constant pain. Like, they cauterize the wound, like, in Moria, just with flame. And they're like, stick it in. And, and that and that's just been his life. Like, it's. <laughs> totally. It's wild. Like, I do. I know that there's. I have. I feel like I've seen the, the practical design. Like, it was going to be a guy in a suit. 
like for a long time until like you know mm. they just needed to speed up production so they made bulk and azog both cgi which i think are two of the biggest yes. mistakes of the film or the trilogy it's jarring um but i do love in a in a vacuum i do love that design just like of his choice like he does stand out he is huge but again if I cut Shaq's hand off, I don't think he's going to die. <laughs> right. Like, it's, it's just not like if I'm fighting Shaq and I, like I cut his hand off and, you know, people Shaq. are dragging Shaq away from me, kicking and screaming, like with bloodlust. I'm like, I got yeah. him. Fight's over. I'm never going to see that guy again. No, I'm like, oh, my God, I cut his hand off and he's still crazy. Yeah, I better like <laughs> look over my shoulder every second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I pissed off Shaq. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not talking about Shaq now. I'm talking about like Shaq, like on the magic. Yeah. Like, uh, right, like 20 right. years ago, Shaq. Like, I'm fighting that guy. Like, that's how big Azog is. And so, no, I just so like I'm Shaq. <laughs> exactly. Like, insane. Uh, but I do love while Balin is telling that story. You just have like Thorin looking over off into the distance. You know, he can hear Balin. He's like, yeah, it's my yeah. hype story, baby. This is and, good. And this is good. Right? I just love that. Everybody is just like looking at him wistfully as he like turns to come back. Yes. My king. <laughs> yeah. It's actually the worst. It's actually the worst because he's like, I'm mad that you guys are talking about orcs. Wait, now tell the story that's super triggering to me. And yeah. It's, and then they all. Now, you do get. Here's the thing. They force us to have a reverence for him yeah and view him as a king whereas so like so he's trying i wonder I, I, this i'm just putting this together now is he is he playing our aragorn role whereas you didn't have to try so hard to make aragorn our king he aragorn was reluctant to come into it so he wanted him to be it what we're we gonna say then that's the thing is that Aragorn wanted like he was afraid of the mantle because of his history. And this is like I understand the hardships that Thorne has gone through and like, you know, his um, like his uh, what's the word? Like he doesn't like elves and for good reason. Like, you know, by the way, I have that note in the prologue where Lee Pace is uncomfortably hot. <laughs> like, like just he like him. Just, like CGI. Yeah. It's and my we watched this back home and my mom was just like, oh, my. <laughs> Like when he walked on the screen and it was just like, yeah, Lee Pace is insanely gorgeous in this role. And we'll talk about him more. No, in, no one in the has next ever movie. made. Oh, can we just talk, talk about his uh, uh, what's a uh, pretty woman moment where they close the box of diamonds on him? Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that, that is a pretty good moment. I will say that. He, he's just so and that's like. But just like uh, I lost my train of thought, but just like I understand what you're saying. But like the Thorin is wrong this entire movie mm -hmm. basically and almost this entire trilogy uh but the moments when he owns up to it really pay off for me um mm -hmm. uh but no I, I get what you mean where it's just like it's an it's a reluctant leadership and we always want that that's the thing we always want those real like people that are forced into leadership they take you know the the rick grimes of the world the aragorns of the world like i didn't want this but the you know <laughs> How dare you? He didn't want it. Too she soon. She made him. Too she soon. She made him. Too soon. If she only he him. hadn't been on that raft. <laughs> if only. Well, I wonder what he was doing there. But I agree with you. There's like he he really annoyed me. Um and and yet there are certain moments where they've managed to make it land. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's not the protag. He's not the lead. You know, but he is the inciting incident in a sense. Mm-hmm kind of um 
and and we do get it's a it's a nuanced character. I just think I would have liked maybe a different actor. That's just me. But moving on, moving right along to the trolls. I think now it's yeah. Time. Before the trolls, right? one thing I did want to mention is help me please when they come across. This is right before the trolls when they come across that like ruined uh, farmhouse. And uh, Gandalf and, and Thorne have yes. the conversation about Rivendell, um, which you were kind of alluding to, where it's like they, they really play up the elf dwarf uh, conflict in this. Prejudice, that's yes, the word I was yes, thinking of. He's prejudiced prejudice. against the, the elves yeah. for turning their backs on, uh, on Erebor in their, in their moments of need. Um, I like that here and later on, we'll talk about next episode, they give reasons for Gandalf to leave. Whereas in the book, they're just like, right. oh, he's a wizard. He just comes and goes as he pleases. No explanation. And you're just, as a reader, like, cool, okay. Um, and here we get yeah. Gandalf just, and it's a very Gandalf thing to do, um, just being pissed and being like, oh, I can't believe dwarves, you know, and just leaving, leaving them because he's like mad at Thorin for being so stubborn. Uh, I like that there's a justification there and it plays into the character and what's later going to happen. Um, so I, 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 it does work because like our introduction to the dwarves is like, uh, Dwalin, like eating Bilbo's dinner and then just like them raiding the pantry, you know, yeah, they clean the dishes, but like they're, they're not the, the best mm -hmm. house guests. And so you have had like a lot of stubbornness from them and Thorin. And so finally, like, like how does Gandalf put up with these guys yeah. like 24 seven? And he doesn't, he just yeah. dips. <laughs> He's like the the ultimate uh, introvert. I just need my space. <laughs> I'm I'm emotionally yeah. drained. Um, but yeah, th so, um, and then we come to the trolls, um, Feely and Keely as lookouts. Which um, again, that's true true to their uh, characters in the books. They are just kind of the grunt workers. Whatever, whenever there's something to be done, the dwarves are just like ah, Feely and Keely, the the young ones, go do that. Um, but how bad are they at, like, I don't have good eyesight. I wear glasses when I drive when I go to the movies. Dork. I'm sorry. If a 15-foot-tall <laughs> troll lumbered up and stole two horses, like, he doesn't steal, like, an apple or something like that. He steals two ponies and then goes smashing through yep. the forest. I'm going to yeah. see it. Like, also, it's dumb that they didn't extrapolate. I mean, they're dumb trolls, but they go, look at there's 15. There's something else with these yeah. <laughs> ponies. They're stupid. Yeah. But yeah, they should have known it was trolls for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, are dwarves just short, dumb trolls? I will say Oin, Oin is definitely the dumbest dwarf. Is by he like far. the little baby dummy? Yes. Like He's the, not one the one that one says with the axe. No, that. No, the one that like, uh, what's I'm trying to think of his line. Like he says, like, oh, I'll I'll get the dragon with like give him a the shove his yes. like eye or like, yeah. And he has then, no beard either, right? He, he has no beard. He's the, yeah. the youngest. Bangs. <laughs> yes. Bowl cut. Yeah, I noticed. That. I was like, man, Oin's really dumb. <laughs> like, and yet, <laughs> like he, right at the end, of, like he shoots the slingshot at the wolf. Like because like, oh, in. What they they play here? him as like the the youngest dumbest one, whereas in the books it's like Feely and Keely. But Feely and Keely are like the the yes. older cousins to to him. They're slightly more experienced. Yeah, still naive though. Um, 
yeah, the slingshot to the 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 troll is is very uh very far fetched. <laughs> yeah. But that and that's like so like the Bilbo gets captured. Uh well like yeah, they get captured and like you know, they fight for a little bit and that's what another Thorin you bug me moment is that Bilbo is trying to free the the ponies and gets captured and like put your arm you know, put your swords down or we'll, we'll kill him and Thorin's like, oh, "Bilbo, you did it again." It's like there is Five minutes of all the dwarves yeah. swinging their axes and their swords and hitting, and they don't do any damage to any of the trolls. Like, I'm sorry, y'all had a solid window to at least take down one of the one of these, Bert, Tom, and William. I, I none, they're all I left will say unscathed. Trolls are hardy creatures. So, like, if we think about you know um, going to the 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 Fellowship of the Ring movie. Um, they had the entire fellowship, arguably ten times the fighters that uh, the the dwarfs are. Uh, you know, you have Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli. Um, you know, you have to remember these dwarves. They have they're they're some of them are fighters, but the, they haven't fought in a war in decades and decades. So they're inexperienced. Yeah. They're not inexperienced. They're rusty, right? When's the last time they fought a troll? You know. So I can see that. And some of them are like uh, Ori. They're just, you know, slingshotting. They maybe have like five or I'm six saying, that are old fighters, a, you know. Um, yeah. You could have cut like a knee yeah. tendon. You could have cut yeah. something. I, but I do like... agree. And the, the the problem I have with this is because they wanted to make this a fight scene, because they've imbued the dwarves with this, you know, you know stuff that maybe they weren't in the books. Because uh, in the books, they just get captured. Um, yeah. The the thing that they have to do is make the trolls smarter than they would be and go, oh, if we nab this hobbit and hold him hostage, we know they'll give up. Like, I don't, yeah. I think that's giving the trolls too much credit. I think trolls are just going to be like, smash and kill. And they would have just kept fighting. They're not going to yes. have that realization of, oh, we're going to like, you know, put ourselves in the shoes of these dwarves and the, obviously they'll put their weapons down if we just threaten to tear this one apart. It, that That's the leap for me that I can't make. Yeah, it it just gives like Thorin like it goes back and forth where it like Bilbo gets captured so Thorin hates Bilbo, but then in the book it's Gandalf that like yeah. does the voices and distracts them for the dawn. Um but then in the movie it's Bilbo and so like he's like, "Oh, but Bilbo's doing something." And so like it goes back and yeah. forth. I understand it, I, but I was just like, you know I, what, Thorin, I do shut the hell up." You know what though? I half expect Thorin to be like, "Yeah, kill him." Right. I don't care. <laughs> like at up to this point, Thorin should just be like he does take a long time. I did notice it this time. Like he, he makes a a long, lengthy decision before he puts his sword down. He's sacrificing thirteen for one person he doesn't even like very much. So, yeah. just saying, he's obviously not a bad guy. But no, 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 he's an honorable dwarf. But like he's just well, a, he's like, a grumpy and, and, boy. And that's the yeah, thing. What do they think is going to happen after this? What's their what what are they thinking their yeah. out is? I mean, are they assuming like, well, maybe Gandalf will come back? Like uh. Um, I, I do like the change, I will say, of Bilbo getting to be the one who's a little bit uh smart and, and tricksy uh mm-hmm. here. Um I wish it would have been a little bit closer to um the what happens where they, they start arguing about how to cook the dwarves. That's only a little bit of it. And then the rest is like, like the whole moment of, Oh, we've got parasites or whatever. I, I didn't like that as much. It's kind of, it's funny. a little funny. Like they like, Thorin kicking them like, shut up. 
Yeah, like yeah. them, like them being still like clueless of like no, I don't know, and then yeah. him like Thorne realizing what he's doing, mm-hmm. I thought was a good moment. Uh, but then we we still do get Gandalf coming so- in and, and save, saving them, which is nice. yeah. So so this is I, first of all, it's the Hobbit and it's Tolkien, and no one's saying that this isn't a great story for what it is. But I do hate how much chance plays a factor into the success of these folks not dying. No, that's and that's the just the crazy part is like they do try and make this a prequel to Lord of the Rings when in the books the tones couldn't be more different. Like this book is so whimsical and light and we'll get to the stone giants oh next week and everything. Oh, I can't wait to And I'm pretty it. sure the eagles talk yep. in the books as mm-hmm. well. And like, you know, and so there's so much like magic in this world. It's closer to like Harry Potter than it is Middle Earth. And so, like, they had to tone so much down. So, like, the the tone of this movie is kind of all over the place. We're like, we're used to this fantasy world that's very self-serious from Lord of the Rings. Like, yes, there are magical, mythical beings, but, like, it's pretty yeah. grounded. Like, we'll see orcs and, you know, the Watcher in the water. But other than that, like, I, I get it. I get what's going on here. Like, it's even, like, less mythical, like, than even Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Like, there's, like, talk of dragons, and, like, we know, if you know Bilbo's story, you know that, but they don't really go into it. In this one, you know, like you said, they're singing songs, there's stone giants, there's all these things, like, in the Hobbit book that they decided to put in the movie that doesn't jive with the tone of Lord of the Rings. And so it is different, and the tones do clash a little bit. I think they make them work as much as they could. Uh, but, uh, I do understand like the complaint of like, you know, like this seems off from like what we're doing over here. And that's why the story of the Hobbit isn't a Lord of the Rings right. prequel. And right. so like they're telling the Hobbit and they're telling like, oh, and what about Sauron and Azog and all this stuff over here? It's like, make I, yeah, them separate. hundred percent agree. Yeah, I mean, really the, the, the moment that exemplifies that for me is in, in this one, um, when Gandalf is kind of trying to talk Bilbo up back in Bag End and. Uh, he starts talking about bull roarer and then he drops the line that's in the Hobbit mm-hmm. of, and the, the game of golf was invented uh, too. That it's like yes. so tonally, <laughs> not at all. It's like wait, so so golf is is now in the the world of Lord of the Rings. Like, uh, ugh, it's yeah. so weird. That's why, like, Gandalf is literally Radagast the Brown. Like, that's who he is in The Hobbit. Like, he's this aloof stranger that just shows up when it's convenient, and he's crazy. It's like, oh, those wizards. But we know Gandalf, you know, the white and the, like, uh, fly you fools and all his very serious moments. So, like, it's a a tough composition there. They're dancing there. But it works if you want to hook a kid early. Yes. And and then jumped. Like, Like, I was too young to know that it was so different. Right when I started the Hobbit and then immediately mm-hmm. jumped to the Lord of the Rings. But now that now I know too much. And so the whimsy <laughs> is gone. Um, so yeah, I just, I disliked the, how the troll scene played out, but it made sense. Like we didn't want to watch one by one while all of them getting captured just wasn't going to work. And we kind of got to see a little bit of Bilbo being wily, which is good. I think that happens that's hap- that was ha- that's sooner than we see it in the book so that's kind of cool um and i i guess i have a question as to why do trolls turn into stone i, I do do either of you know this um 
dragon. I think they're just not like yeah, night I, creatures. It's, it's just like I don't I don't know. There's there probably is like some deep reference to it that you know a bigger Tolkien nerd than than me will know. But I think it's I just think like it's a something thing. F- probably from another uh, mythology that he's bringing in here is like trolls turning to stone. I think that's probably borrowed from somewhere. But that's also a common theme sure. of most of the uh, the hosts of Morgoth. Um, and, and his creatures is they have an aversion to sunlight, including, uh, the orcs. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably related. So I, Tolkien's letter 153 implies that since trolls were created from stone by Morgoth using a spell cast in darkness, they revert to their true nature when exposed to the sun. Emphasis mine. I don't know. I think trolls are mere counterfeits and hence, though here I am, of course, only using elements of old barbarous myth-making that had no aware metaphysics. Uh, they return to mere stone images when not in dark. I just like, I, like I liked that I'm we okay got the sort of um, parallelism of earlier um, Bilbo forgetting his uh, pocket handkerchief and then later being used as a pocket handkerchief. I thought that was my, my favorite part it's of very that. very true. <laughs> I was really hoping we were going to get away from talking about floaters and snot, but that was (laughs) disgusting. It wasn't even worth it. I got it. Like, I understand that they have stinky butts. A lot of body humor in the scene, the the scratching of the butt. I could not believe they missed out on a fart joke, though. They they did not fart. I could have sworn, like, when he was going to reach for the knife, he was going to fart, but instead he just wiped his ass. But, like, (laughs) classy. Yeah. He really should have farted in Bilbo's face and that's how they should have found bilbo because he was like oh god or he could have passed out and then woke woke up 20 minutes later and all the doors were caught we could have cut we could have cut out there you go five minutes look at look at just the editor over here give me a call give me a call wing (laughs) um (laughs) jess we need you to punch up the script um uh, he farts and then he passes out (laughs) done hey done you gotta go picture kid (laughs) yeah cancel phoebe waller bridge i'm in um okay so then they take off because the trolls are stoned now and and then what happens in between help me so this is when Radagast shows up. Right. Like they're like, oh, oh no, they they find the the elf swords, uh, Orcris and Glamdring. Right. And this is huge yeah. in the books. Like they kind of touch on them a little bit, you know, in Rivendell and then with the the Goblin King. But this is like a huge moment in the books, and those names of like like Beater and Biter like driven into my brain. Uh, but that's when Radagast shows up, and I have in the notes where it's like Radagast says he's gonna you know, lead the, the orcs off, but he just keeps doing donuts in the parking lot and they don't go anywhere. Yeah. And I'm just like, like there's really a moment where they're 10 feet in front of them and he just like drives by. He's like, I got this. He's like, no, yeah. go away. Like, why, what are you doing? Why, is, why are they so high? Why is it so like high. intersecting with the path to Rivendell? Why didn't he just go the complete opposite way? It's like, what, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. There's a world though. Where Radagast has no idea where Rivendell is. He's yeah, he, not he's maybe he's trying to sneak his way into the White Council because he's like, oh, all the other Perhaps. wizards are there. It's possible because, like, you know, Gandalf just gave him like a giant hit off his pipe, <laughs> like right beforehand. He's like, all right, now go drive. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? He, 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 he's going to get Very pulled over by Elrond and, and his company and, and get a DUI. Like, sir, do you know how fast you're yeah. going in your rabbit's like two. Yeah. It's like two ex machina. 
Radagast is like, I'll take them away. And yes, these rabbits are fast and it's not animal cruelty. And then just so happens the elves are there. And, and it's it's triple ex machina because you have Radagast leading them away. Then you have the hidden passage and yes. then you have the elves showing up. Well, I, worse. I'm, I'm okay. to be fair, I hate I'm movies. fine with. No, I have other problems with this, but I'm fine with <laughs> Elrond being out and killing the orcs because. Remember, he has one of the rings of power and he is using it to protect his domain. Mansplaining to us, okay? And so he's u- he he has the 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 ring of, you know, force and powers of foresight. So he knows when there's orcs near to his lands. I mean, they're right on the doorstep. And he knows when you've been naughty, too. Well, he, he is yes. kind as Christmas as in he, in the first edition. He is, so. he is making a yeah. list and he's checking it twice. So I, I, I'm fine with him showing up and killing the orcs. That's all good. Gandalf, he probably knows where that passage is. He's been to Rivendell before. But yeah, Radagast yeah, showing up and then that. saving them is, that's where I'm like, okay, why? And this is another moment where they're just stealing a beat from Fellowship of the Ring because we had, you know, uh, the prologue. We had, uh, and now we have them having to flee a foe on the uh, doorstep of Rivendell. It's exactly the same beat as um, Frodo and company fleeing the the Nazgul's. So I'm like, do we need yeah. to have them being driven? But yeah, less but, interesting. Yeah, because we it, the stakes aren't as as high. Uh, did we need? To- I mean, they are because Radagast <laughs> is high and driving them back into sure. the company. Uh, it, yeah, I just I think that like ra- either I understand why Radagast is there to deliver the the Morgul blade to Gandalf, like you know for the White Council, um, but it's just like I don't know, like he doesn't do anything, and then also like the I'm just not like afraid of anyone like dying right there, so I'm just like yeah, like just go yeah. to just go to Rivendell because in in it's okay Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo is about to be you know turned into a wraith. There's a ticking clock, yeah, and they need to get him there. And the Nazgul are way scarier, so it's like, oh, it's like, oh, Nazgul shit, are way you know? scarier. But yes. um, yeah, the the orcs, it's like, okay, it it's just not as tense. It's not as tense. So, I I don't think we needed it. Um, but there's, as we'll we'll talk about later, there's a, there's a lot of just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess they just threw in an action set piece here for reasons. Yeah, I. It's definitely like an action set piece because we're at uh, Rivendell for quite a long yes. time. Um, but it's just like that's my. That's when I wrote the note. The n- note of Oin being the dumb because that's when he slingshots the wolf and it just goes. And he, <laughs> he slingshots the wolf. It like the rock harmlessly bounces off the the warg and then he's like <gasps> like he gives this just look of utter horror like he thought that was gonna work yeah. like <laughs> bless his heart. He's my favorite. He is my favorite because he's so dumb. And yeah. I think I look like him a little bit. Because, my- like, you just saw you just saw that it took Feely shooting the warg with an arrow. It falls down. The orc gets up. They have to stab him three times. They have to stab the wolf four times. It screams. It alerts everybody else in in the vicinity. And Oin's like, <laughs> kaka, get him, uh, slingshot. <laughs> Bro, what are, you, what are do we, we doing do we here, Oin? Do we think Oin? that this was, like, a gift given to him by some 
some other dwarf and he played a joke and he's like, this is a magic slingshot. And so he thinks that it's like, <laughs> oh, I got this incredible oh. weapon. And every time it doesn't work, he's like, no, Gandalf. Oh, told him. maybe that's it. Gandalf's like, it's so good that you're on this oh, trip because no. he, because Gandalf's also the idiot that thinks a uh, Hobbit will be good on oh, this no. journey. Well, it's like, uh, it's like, have you guys seen that video? You guys know who Hasbula is? No. Uh, no, never yeah, mind. That name is familiar, but yeah, well, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, we'll cut well, that you out. Can, you can all, no, I'm not gonna cut it out. You can explain it if you want. It's hard to explain, but there's just like a video that that's going around where like uh, he's getting hyped up by his friends and like anyone, you know, enter the text of like, oh, when you see someone across the bar that you're attracted to and your friends are hyping you up and they give him like fist bumps. It's like Thorin and Balin giving Oin the slingshot like, yeah, go get him, man. Go get him. <laughs> get him. <laughs> but like but I think I want to say that that might have been like his like character defining thing like his dwarf defining thing like you know bofer has got yeah. the hat bomber's the big one like you know who is it gloin that can't speak english or, i think it's like uh, biffer is like the that. one with the axe yeah biffer okay uh and so it's just like everyone has like a character and i think the slingshot was gonna be it and then like they're just like <laughs> no stop that no more slingshot because i think i'm pretty sure i think he slingshots a spider i could be wrong but i think he slingshots a spider Spoilers. in the second one can we talk about ungoliant for like can me and alex talk about ungoliant for like two seconds yes they name when, drop when that? radagast sure. is uh talking to gandalf that is a fun yeah. deep cut so, that i like yeah so, Jess, you've seen Return of the King, right? You know who Shelob yes. is, the spider? I do, yes. So Shelob is a descendant of Ungoliant. And Ungoliant is so powerful. Ungoliant is so powerful that the Silmarils, who, like, you know, we talked about them in Rings of Power, the Silmarils that Morgoth stole, Ungoliant drained the, 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 the Tree of Life from the elves and the Valinor, drank all of that, became so power-hungry that Morgoth himself was about to be killed by Ungoliant. And the only thing that saved Morgoth was his cries of pain rang so loud as Ungoliant bore down on him to eat the Silmarils that the Balrogs came and mm -hmm. saved him. Whoa. Like, Ungoliant is this giant nightmare fuel spider that Ugh. overpowered the greatest lord of darkness in Middle-earth history. And so, like, that's like they I feel like that's such a Peter Jackson thing for them not to say, oh, the descendants of Shelob or, you know, whatever. Like the fact that they said on Golian, I was like, yeah. oh, they said it's such a cool, and, like it's such a deep cut. And for after, us, like, after draining uh, the, the the trees of Valinor, she she always had this like hunger that was unquenchable. And so she, the way she dies is she consumes herself. She like eats herself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because no one, no one could beat Ungoliant. Like no one could defeat her. That's and how it is to be a woman. Sometimes, <laughs> let me tell you. Sometimes we gotta eat ourselves. I've been there, sweetie. <laughs> Hello, but so wait, Morgoth ate the Silmarils. No. Is that why she needed to eat him? No, he had the Silmarils. She wanted to eat them for its power and nourishment. And he was protecting them. Yeah, he was protecting Got them. It. Like he wanted them for himself and didn't want to give them up and had to have the Balrogs come and save him. Got it. What a what a what a nut. <laughs> what a <laughs> that crazy Morgoth coming down the stairs. Hey <laughs> I got us I almost died, guys. Pa pause for, you know, audience applause when that when old Morgoth walks in. It's like, you know, when uh when the Southlands like Oh god. Which 
I like Rings of Power, but that was the, possibly the, title the worst decision. When, like, what are yeah. we going to call the title change? Like, that was like the most 90s sitcom thing I've ever seen. So just like having, I just want to see that like with everything about Rings of Power. I think it'd be great. It was such a bad call. And you, it, how does it make it past like test audiences, CEOs? Like who goes, yeah, that's Maybe the that's... right choice. Maybe I that's why heavy... Joseph Maui oh, go, le- go left, because after he gave that amazing <laughs> performance, they then cut to that title change. It was literally right after that shot. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I think like Heavy Spoilers had like the best idea for it, where it's just like you have the, the close up of him, Joseph Maui, and then it cuts to black and then you hear him just whisper. Yeah. Door. Like just like and I was like, that's good. And especially that's so especially better. with an actor like that, you just get chills. Now I have chills just you saying that. I know. I'm mad. I'm mad and we'll never get it. We'll never get him saying the words. Is he on Cameo? Maybe we can get there. Oh, yes. Oh, he probably (laughs) would not do that. And he's probably an actor who would never do Cameo. He's got got serious Daniel Day-Lewis vibes. He has integrity. How much would Daniel Day-Lewis charge for Cameo? What do you guys think? Like $500 for like a minute? Honestly, probably 20 bucks think so and but he the, doesn't sure. care but he's, I, I just, he's in the he's in a shack in london or england he probably doesn't have a device to care. record a cameo on that's yeah. also like that's true he, like yeah, yeah he has yeah, a rotary cameo phone, right here that's all he has. <laughs> yeah he will call you on a landline only he's kind of like bill murray who will show up to a party if he wants to and if there are two bottles of whiskey a limo to pick him up and a place yeah. to sleep that's a deal right there. That's a good writer. It's a good writer, and it's on his website. You, I don't know if he still does it because he might be getting up there, but that is on his website. You can log – like you can request him to come to your wedding if you have Even, like longer. And no payment, just those things? Oh, gotcha. You won't gotcha. know if he'll come, I see. but you can request him. Oh, my God. The thousands of emails that, that, log, that website must have. It's incredible. It's brilliant, yeah. though, because he will go. He will do it. Like some things he's like, oh, that sounds cool. I'll go. Who doesn't want Bill Murray traipsing up to your bar mitzvah and be like, hey, kid. <laughs> they think, thank your and, parents and the kid for be like, uh, Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who's this old creepy man? Even though this is a Caddyshack themed bar mitzvah, he has no idea who that is. He's just too old. Caddyshack themed bar mitzvah. That'd be amazing. I'm all right. Um, well, so they they fall into Rivendell. It's the stupidest but beautiful reveal. It makes sense because we're seeing it on a side we've and, never and, seen. And and Thorin is just like, "Where are we going?" And Gandalf's like, "You'll see." <laughs> yeah, maybe that's where they all exited when they went from the Fellowship of the Rings. Who knows? We don't know. Maybe the hidden... yeah, we just woke up in Rivendell. Yeah, who knows? We don't. Well, I mean, we do see the river that likely Arwen carries Frodo over. When we see the first establishing shot mm-hmm. of Rivendell, there, so we're looking at Rivendell and we're seeing the entrance to the left of the screen and to the bottom left is the river. I was looking for that. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have to look at a map, but I do have the oh, Atlas of Middle Earth. Um, I'm not sure if the River Bruinen, which is the river they cross, is actually in the valley it's right or it's just kind of like the border of their lands. So I, I don't know border. if that scene uh, we get in the movie with Arwen, um, she's not like in the the Hidden Valley yet. It's just sort of like this is where Elrond's power extends to, and so that's why she can, yeah. or in the books, Glorfindel can uh, call the 
the waters upon the Nazgul. So that that makes sense. Um, unlike the rest of this movie, which we will talk about next week. Um, wh- wh- what's your takeaway today, Ben, uh, as being our guest today? Is there anything you want to leave our audience? audience with to think about like maybe your thoughts for next week or give them like a surprise or I don't know. I think, I think we nitpicked this movie uh, a little much, but I really do love this first entry. Like I think, you know, the more you watch something, the more you can like, you know, pick out its flaws and stuff like that. But I really think this is like such a good entry for the first of the trilogy. Um, There's like you, you really do fall in love with Martin Freeman. And I think with so many characters, like, you know, losing Boromir is so huge. Like you fall in love with Frodo and Sam and Mary and Pippin and Aragorn. You fall in love with the entire fellowship. And not to mention, you know, Aomer and Eowyn and Theoden and you hate Aramea. Denethor. Totally. Yeah. Um, just like you fall in love with so many of those characters. So introducing so many new ones is a tough thing, especially when you have a company of 13 dwarves. Um probably the like the race we spend the least time with in lord of the rings like we don't we go to two elvish kingdoms we go to two kingdoms of men we we go to one dead empty moria that you know is filled with goblins we never see any dwarves besides gimli and you know in in profile like the two other dwarves when they walk into rivendell they just show them they never have any lines so it is a tough thing that they're doing and i think they do a good job of establishing the story of this the background of this the bigger scope, which, you know, I don't think we needed to do, but if they were going to do it, they did a good job of establishing everything else that is going on around this journey to the Lonely Mountain. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Alex, any parting thoughts? for? Um, yeah, I would say I I agree with Ben. I think we nitpicked, but the yeah, the first half of this movie I was in, I enjoyed. Um we'll get to the second half next week. I'm going to be much more critical of the second half. I think there's good stuff in it. There's good stuff in it, but, um, uh, you know, we'll get to talk about Andy Serkis's performance, but there's also all the stuff that happens in Rivendell, which I'm very much looking forward to discussing, uh, Christopher Lee's return, uh, Kate Blanchett's return. So, um, Christopher Lee, by the way, aged well and, and, uh, Ian McKellen looking really tired. Ian McKellen looks real tired, and and I think Christopher Lee is like, "See, you shouldn't have cut me out." Episode of the right. third one. Yeah. Oh, he was pissed about that. <laughs> he was so pissed. Uh, oh yeah. Didn't they like not make up until this? They, movie they must have before because like like, he came back. But uh, I I would have loved to yeah. be a fly on the wall for that conversation <laughs> between him and Peter. Sure. Jeez. Well, well, you yeah, know the, I... the infamous story of like uh, Grima being stabbed on the tower because like, like I think it's rumored that like James Bond is written because of Christopher Lee. Like Ian Fleming and and Christopher Lee were like in the yeah. British Secret Service together or MI5 mm-hmm. or what you know. What? Yeah, and so like there's in Return of the King, in the extended edition when Grima stabs Saruman in the back. Right. Like Peter's like, oh, and then you scream real loud and like, you know, you die. And he's like, Peter, I don't think you've ever stabbed anyone before. When you stab someone in the lung, they have no air. And so they can't scream. And Peter's like, I didn't ask any follow up (laughs) questions to that. I just let him make that choice on set. So like Christopher Lee has seen and done some things in his life that are, you know, blacklisted on a piece of paper. And so 
he's an amazing man and I would never want to have him mad at me for anything. That and sounds the like fact, the English mafia a little bit. Like, I'm just, I'm glad Peter Jackson <laughs> is still with us and uh, Christopher Lee isn't uh, some petty person that will literally murder you and oh, yeah, no one if will he hear wanted you to. scream. Listen, listen, Peter, you cut me out yeah. of the trilogy and do you know what it sounds like when vocal cords are cut? Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, he, he's a very intimidating person. And I think these these were yeah. his last films before he, he passed. But what a life. What a life. We'll, we'll yeah. talk more about him at a different time. But, yeah, what an amazing man. Exciting. Well, I, it's been a pleasure to have you on, on the podcast, Ben. Unfortunately, this is the last one we'll ever ask you to be on. <laughs> oh, <so>. my gosh. <laughs> well, like, just, just leave me at the peak of, of this trilogy. <laughs> No, I we can't wait to have you back next week. Uh, we definitely, at the very least, have th- five more episodes to talk about this whole franchise, and I'm excited. Uh, Alex, tell them the many different places. Well, actually, Ben, tell them where they can find you if they if you want them to. You're a uh, Twitch streamer. You yeah, Twitch streamer. Uh, just everywhere at the Ben Goddard Twitch, uh, Twitter for now. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Hive, I guess you know that's a new one that people are are seeming to flock to uh, Instagram and TikTok everywhere at the Ben Goddard word. Uh, Alex, what, what are different ways people can engage with us? Should they, well, they can find to. us on Twitter at pot of the rings. They can go to Instagram at P O T R pod. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash pot of the rings. You can email us at podcast of the rings at gmail.com or you can just find all the stuff at podcastoftherings.com. Awesome. So I'm going to say one line and then Ben, you're going to be, you're going to say, and until then, and then Alex will finish us out, right? We didn't okay. even practice this. And I'm going to be like, okay, Ben. Okay, I'm going to do it right now. All right, right Alex, uh, Ben, see you next week. Man, and until then. Again. First day. Nailed it. <laughs> Perfect.